This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Calma ragazzi, calma. Infatti nel titolo avrò messo quasi fatta, quasi ufficiale. Wesley, Moraes, eccetera, eccetera, del Club Rouge, a giugno, quindi calma, non è un acquisto di adesso, a giugno, sarà della Lazio, signori, per 20 milioni, è un colpo, secondo me, fantastico. Usually, every time he finished a song, he'd get on a payphone, wherever he was in the country, and call me, and wake me up. And so, like, he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar, you know? And that's how I heard this song the first time. I always thought this was a real pretty one. It's called uh, My Old Man. So, Holgate against Steer. Oh, and Villa off to the perfect start. These situations are made for goalkeepers and Jed Steer with the first moment of heroics. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. And this, is, uh, this isn't the regular show that we run out. This is a bit of a, a, an extra one we'll be doing every month where we take questions from that secret society that is the mad few dedicated to this podcast joining me to answer these questions mr chris budd welcome to the show thank you very much hello and mr max stokes from villa on tour welcome and uh, you're a fresh member of the secret society that is the mad few as well i i am i joined it a few weeks ago i believe i'm not too active in there but i, I will yeah. be in the future hopefully the questions are pretty good, actually, so that's why I thought it would be worth doing as a monthly episode. If you're new to the show, as I uh, just said, uh, this isn't the regular show with all the uh, snap, crackle and pop and fun and games that normally uh, turns up. This is just a straight up Q&A and we're just going to go straight top to bottom as the questions came in apart from uh, the first question which is uh, Sandeep Segu asks announce Stokes for another episode I have been announced I've signed the contract and I'm back I think I think this will be your fourth 
in the last five episodes, actually. So uh, very, co- very consistent. Uh, <laughs> it's all about no, up. yeah, no, no, uh, no injuries or anything. He's, he's, uh, he can rely on the stakes, almost as reliable as the bird, who's always. Uh, is, as I called you last episode, I think it was omnipresent. Anyway, like uh, let's get on, to, <laughs> get on to the first question, proper question from Adam Treadaway. And I haven't even read these questions, so we're just in them straight off the bat. Any news on Chester's recovery? In my opinion, the bloke deserves his crack with Villa in the Prem. Would be gutted for him if his injury caused him setback. Shall we? I'm just going to refresh your memories. We bought Chester off the subs bench of West Brom when they were in the Premier League. I'm just throwing that in there. What do you think of uh, this Chester situation? It was quite, It is a bit of a weird one because I know West Brom, back in the day when they were in the Premier League, I'm not sure they really know knew how to utilise him. I knew they were playing at right back, left back at some points and I can't even imagine that. But since he's come to Villa, he, he deserved to lift that playoff trophy pretty much more than anyone else. Like he's, he was ever present in, what, a season, season and a half, whatever. Yeah. He was absolutely fantastic and he's a massive reason why we are in the Premier League. But he, he's just its just not going to happen to him now, I don't believe. He's damaged his career um, with that injury playing through it. He's, he's not going to be ever, ever present again, I don't believe. But, you know, yeah, he deserves his chance, but it might just be the odd game in the Premier League. We shall see. Just, I mean, just to re- refresh people's memory, uh, on, on one of the previous shows, I said that the uh, the Mayo Men said offices, if there was such a thing, uh, got a tip off, I mean, I think it was back in December, that uh, a senior Villa player, which we really didn't need to get injured, was injured and would potentially be out for the rest of the season he didn't mention the name at the time uh, but all fingers seemed to point to Chester and obviously Chester disappeared for the rest of the season so it seemed that he needed to go uh, under surgery straight away but I think he kind of battled on for a few games and we are here where we are now where I think it's a situation that's have to be carefully managed uh, for the rest of his career anything to add Chris uh, before we go on I think obviously he's gonna he's probably gonna find himself unlucky now isn't he I would imagine they'll think of probably a, a replacement I do think he'll get a run out for Villa but I think as you said you're gonna have to manage him you're never gonna get sort of 38 games a season out of him now I don't think he's kind of probably going to become a bit part player at the end of the day a squad needs four centre-backs absolutely and he's, he's you know he's a good backup to have but I don't think he can be the main man anymore he'll certainly fit into that quota right next question Michael Sebastian Smith I work with a Crystal Palace fan who generally sees us as a smaller club and bursts out laughing when I said we should should be beating teams like you next season. I also saw something online from a Burnley fan stating themselves as an established Premier League team and we are going to struggle in the big boys league. Amazing what three years can do to damage our reputation, although let's face it, it's more like eight. Sorry, not a question, I know, but thoughts something worth raising and a reality check of where we are on the national stage. I mean, the biggest thing about this is how the hell did we fall so low? A couple of the teams he's just mentioned there aren't all that in the grand scheme of things. You wouldn't consider them big boys in English football. Let me put it this way. I I personally think, uh, after speaking to Perslow and his steely uh, determination, that we're going to rise pretty quickly if he gets his uh, shit together in terms of assembling the squad. Uh, What's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, especially you, Max, because you're in a situation where as uh, Michael says you know last eight years we've been pretty shit so that's pretty much most of your match going time is it not well guess when I started going to watch the villa properly eight years ago so eight years uh, ago <laughs> I, I've seen some proper <laughs> crap um, but to say like teams like Burnley like Burnley a town of 80,000 people like nah come on we got, we got to be doing better there but these are the teams we do have to be beating next season yeah but yeah 
I don't believe Crystal Palace are bigger club. I'm not having any of that. No, not at all. Yeah, I think I'd class it as with those teams. Where they currently sit, are they better teams than Villa? Yeah, probably. Are they bigger clubs? Clearly not. In terms of like financial resources, normal things you judge a club on, you are not a bigger club than Villa, but you have better players. Admittedly, with in terms of Palace, how long are they going to have those players for? Because Zaha won't be there next year, I'm sure. Other players won't be there. Juan Bissaka won't be there. So actually, if you're a betting man, I'd be putting money on Palace to be in a relegation fight. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair call. Uh, and, you know, Burnley, they haven't won anything this century, have they? They no. used to be one. Are they not one of the original uh, I believe so, teams? yeah. They're one of those great old clubs. But then so were Blackpool, weren't they? And so were Bolton. Look at them. Yeah. But I mean, in, from that respect, historically, it's good to see Burnley uh, in the top tier. But, I, you know, even though we've been in the championship for three years, I don't consider those clubs. Uh, I con- I look at them, I just see six points, like a lion sees prey. As you said earlier, how far have we fallen? That, you know, not, not even t- teams this small, but towns in comparison to the second city. It's just shocking. But uh, once you're in the Premier League, that's where you can put it right. I mean, we were never going to grow or do anything where we were. It was... Yeah. Especially a club like Villa. The longer, you stay, the longer you stay in the Premier League, for a club like Villa, the stronger you get. You look at someone like West Ham as an example. Yeah. I mean, it's when you hear people talk about Jack Grealish, like, oh, he you know, uh, needs to prove himself in the Premier League. And, uh, you know, we we're, a lot of people talk as if he's never played in the Premier League before. It, like this, it's this kind of mythical land uh, where we've never ventured before. He's had t- pretty much two full seasons. Yeah. So, you know, he'll, he'll have no problems uh, when we when we turn up there. I'm, I'm sure, you know, people like McGinn who haven't played there will, will be, you know, it'll suit him down to the ground, I think. But yeah, just tell the Palace fan to fuck off. <laughs> In a nutshell. Right, next question. Philip Derbyshire. I, I, I don't know what he means by this, but uh, maybe you can uh, enlighten me. If I may, I'm going to ask my question Instagram style. What does that even mean? I don't know. It's maybe because a lot of the questions we do are normally from uh, the Instagram page. We've been linked with about 53 players so far, assuming every one of these links is 100% reputable even which I'm sure they are, in brackets, I think that's being ironic. Could we be the first team to have a player with three numbers on his back? Funny you say 53 players, because I think that is the number that Perslow cited in the meeting at the FCG when uh, he talked about his two books of players, uh, one book of championship players that have been scouted or should I say players for Villa in the championship and one book of uh, players for Villa in the Premier League. And as he said, he was surprised there was very little crossover. I mean, we, we spoke about this on the bonus podcast, but, you know, we we assume that Yotta is one of those crossover players. And, you know, he was saying there's about two or three crossover players, but there's about 50 players in that Premier League book that over the last few months that they have scouted and they are actively chasing but I mean obviously he's joking with with this question and and I think it alludes to uh, another question that we're going to get about ITKs and the press just throwing at everybody you know your Delphs your Cahills all the old school stories are then anybody who's gone shopping in Brentford town centres obviously been linked as a potential uh, buyer or anybody who Dean Smith has ever met yeah no exactly but uh, I don't know what, what is the answer to this question could we be the first player to have three numbers on his back well we could have one of those like wacky people like when Zamorano had one plus eight on his shirt so we could have someone with like 
Didn't uh, didn't Usain Bolt have like his, his his world record time for like nine point seven three or whatever it was? Did he? I didn't. Yeah, know he that. had he had the world record on his on his shirt at the uh, soccer aid. So we we could have someone like that. All right, fair enough. I'm just thinking who's currently in the squad that could. Uh... Tw- hasn't Twan Zabi got the world record for like the fastest game of hungry hippos? So we could get the time for that and put it on his shirt. That'd do. <laughs> I saw that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> That's a brilliant stat, isn't it? That's superb. <laughs> What a thing to take to your grave. <laughs> yeah, unless somebody beats it. Maybe uh, maybe Max, once you're over in Leipzig uh, and had a few beers. Uh, That's maybe one to take... be pissed, in it, with the lads? That's yes. a video. Yeah, where, where you get around the table and you try to beat to and Zabie's record. Or you do human-hungry hippos. What, with people beers? on skateboards. <laughs> we just supply free content ideas on this uh, Thank podcast. you very much. You're now my agent. Sam John, how damaging do you think that a Fulham esque return to the championship would be? One could possibly argue that mass overhauls of playing staff were partly responsible for our demise a few seasons back and we are some way from having an established first 11. That was the interesting thing when I when I posed that question to uh, Christian Perslow that the question essentially was was about squad building and I uh, said well at the moment we would struggle to put out what you would consider a first 11. He dismissed that bit of the question and said I think we have a core there. I can't see it. Can you? This was uh, before Wesley, by the way. So, but Wesley's unproven. Uh, let's not forget. So, uh, I think we're we're well short of the, that first eleven at the moment. Yeah, I think they clearly know there's a lot of work still needs to be done. I mean, there are, we ultimately do have some good players in, in in that sense. Yes, we have a core of players. Do we have the spine of a of a half decent Premiership side? I think that's open to debate. You know, we don't have a solid centre back pairing yet. We don't know who's definitely going to be our goalkeeper. I think our our midfield has the makings of it I still think we're one man light in the defensive position personally and yeah. we and then as you said up front we're unproven we've got splatterings of talent around it but you you know you kind of want to have you know when Wolves went up they had three or four at least real standout players you know they had what four Portuguese internationals yeah. who'd all played in the Champions League I mean yeah but, I mean they had players that people were saying what the hell are they doing at Wolves on uh, yeah you know low wages and that's why there was a bit of a scandal trying to work out uh you know, how they actually got them on, on board in the first place. Uh, what do you think, Max? Are you, I mean, I, I had BT Sport contact me and they wanted me to talk about what Villa's chances were next season and, you know, what what do you thought about the team? And, and I said, well, you can't pass comment now because we haven't got a team. They're still putting it together. Yeah. I'm a, and it's a bit premature, so it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, I'm a bit bored of hearing about Fulham. Everyone says, oh, you're going to do a Fulham. You, the, the two things, you either do a Fulham, you get absolutely battered, you spend $100 million, or you do a Wolves. That's the only two sort of things I'm hearing at the moment. But I, yeah. I just think our recruitment right now is so much better than what Fulham's was. Like They just splashed out on any young talent that brought in a load of players from the French League. But I just think our recruitment now is so much more solid and so much considered thought, yeah, yeah it's thought through a lot more so I, I trust what the recruitment team are doing they're not obviously rushing into it and spending the money wisely i think so no i don't think we'll do a fulham i, th- I think we'll be okay look back max to january and apart from uh tom carroll who was injured anyway and, and kind of flaked out they're pretty all solid aren't they well, all the guys they brought in in January in what you'd call classes impact signings, if you include the guys they brought back off loan. You know, Elphick had an impact. Steer was a huge impact. Mings was massive for us. So was Courtney Hawes. Tom Carroll was unlucky. They're pretty much responsible for promotion at the end of the day, I would say. Pretty much, yeah. Mings is probably one of, if not 
the one of the best loan signings we've ever had. Yeah, if, in terms of instant impact, he had what two within two or three games, everybody thought, "Wow, what a player!" Yeah. So Max, you you uh, from the, based on that, you'd have a bit of uh, confidence in what is to come in. I mean, it's just probably a matter of can we get them in in terms of the competition we face. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I just trust. Uh, this this backroom sort of staff that we've got going on here but yeah I, I trust it completely we'll be fine next question Dean Gregory says realistically given the current condition of the squad what end of season can we expect what's the minimum finish we should consider successful well, I mean the minimum is obviously 17th isn't it that's the minimum but playing in the pl- uh, Premier League everybody's excited about it now but before we were so jaded about it because it, there were, it was like a road to nowhere wasn't it it was just kind of like survival well, it was the thing at the start of the season. It's like, well, what are we trying to achieve this year? We're clearly not going to win the league. For a long time, we weren't going to go down. And as soon as O'Neill left, it looked like we weren't going to challenge. We were kind of just coasting. But but what I'm saying is this, this is the problem that faces most teams. But uh, what we have at the moment is a kind of momentum, which uh, most of those teams in the Premier League at the moment don't have. And this uh, potentially could take us higher. Historically, you know, once upon a time, Brian Clough won the league after getting promoted from uh, the second tier, you know, the next season. And Leicester were, what, two two seasons back in the Premier yeah, League? Two, what, three Watford seasons back? Finished, Watford finished second. Uh, I think Graham Taylor got them straight back. I'm just thinking of other examples. Norwich, I think, did a similar thing. Yeah, Forrest, didn't they? Forrest came back up. So there is such a thing as momentum. And uh, this is what Villa have. As long as they can put some pieces together, that, and that would probably mean getting Mings to uh, have enough of the players that, got us you know got us up in the first place to still have that spirit in the team and some other like-minded and just you know one or two bits of quality I think we should hit mid-table plus I mean Max where, where do you think uh, I mean obviously this is a leap of faith that we you know haven't got half the squad in yet mm, okay call me negative I'm, I'm going to be slightly pessimistic here but if, if you if this time last year you said in two seasons we're going to survive in the Premier League that would have been fine like if, if you put yeah. your long-term head on now yeah I think survival for me is what I'm looking at from this season and then the next three four five years we look at building mid-table maybe seventh eighth whatever but immediately this season all I want is survival like, I, 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 that might come across as negative <laughs> all I want but, to do is survive well yeah <laughs> well yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised after your last eight years of watching Villa <laughs> well yeah exactly that's probably where this negative sort of view is coming from but, but it's, it's not negative it's practical I would say yeah. But at the, at the same time, I mean, to answer Dean's question about what is considered successful, that potentially could be considered successful as long as you see the roots of something happening. For example, the last time we got relegated, Graham Taylor got us up first season. The next season, we were pretty much in a relegation battle as he tried to get a way of playing in the top tier and add a few, you know, the final pieces together. And then the next season, we were we were after the title. We were chasing the title with Liverpool. So there is that transitional season. If you, I mean, it's a very different league now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Fair, but, but what I'm saying is, Le- Leicester did exactly the same thing. It's absolutely. It can be a constraint constructive transitional season in terms of you're just calibrating and you're making tweaks and you're getting ready for the next season. Villa have had how many transitional seasons consecutively? That's when uh, it all falls apart. But if we keep that momentum going, even if we we're literally surviving next season then I, st- I still think we can fast track back into you know the top eight or so over a, you know two or three seasons I mean I think as he says in his question what's the minimum finish the minimum finish you should consider is 17th I would say progress would be anywhere from about 10th to 14th you'd consider that 
kind of par for the course. Anything in the top 10, you'd consider that a very good season. But uh, ultimately, if you finish 10th or 17th, it doesn't really matter. It's just a few extra quid. And the next season, as long as you're progressing in a way, that finishes pretty And if you get that second season in the Premier League, the financial gain is enormous. Yeah. And, you know, obviously Villa are still picking themselves up off the floor financially in terms of what they could spend while they were in the uh, the maximum security prison of the uh, championship. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to the next question. Peter Smallburn asks, is it time to go for the grand expansion to 60k or should we wait until we're properly reestablished in the Premier League? What would be the impact to the local community and infrastructure of doing so? Well, luckily, we have town planner, Max Stokes, uh, on the show tonight. And statistician. <laughs> and statistician. Oh, God. Uh, and, uh, community, so he's, num- he's crunched the numbers. And community yeah. li- liaison officer of the year, uh, Chris Budd, to answer your question. They're, they're, I mean, the infrastructure of Aston, that's another, that's another podcast altogether. But at this meeting, uh, the FCG as soon as I mentioned uh, expansion and I've said, look, you know, we've it's been long mooted and I've asked for what would trigger it before. And uh, Perslow, to his credit, uh, in my opinion anyway, just said that's not even a consideration. He said, rightfully so. If when we have uh, a consistency in this league, and we're not talking like next season and the season after, we're talking like, you know, four or five potential, if we are fast tracking, then that's probably when they would dust the uh, the plans down. And ultimately, Villa can't warrant a, a ground extension, you know, to sixty thousand anyway. You know, we yeah. only just, you know, we're sort of celebrating currently the fact that we've got a cap of thirty thousand season tickets, but it isn't like we've got a, a waiting list of another thirty thousand, like some clubs have. Um, you know, if the momentum continues and the fans remain engaged, then you but don't this know, is a novelty. You don't, you don't know where the limit is. Yeah, is it's a novelty to be going on with, but. If we have one crap season, they all go. Exactly. I was, I was about to say, it's a two-pronged road. It's uh, We keep the momentum going and suddenly Aston Villa finally catches fire. And I think we've got a more of a corporate setup running the uh, the club that actually potentially could finally uh, build it into an international commodity. Previously, even when we've won the league uh, in 81, you know, we, where we had a bigger stadium than we have now in terms of capacity, you know, we were getting crowds in the uh you know the 19s the 18 the you know, 17 thousands before christmas and then that's where you know this it's been a kind of a fickle fan base in terms of that respect we've never had that consistent mass following in uh, the last few decades and actually in, in recent i mean that's why they closed the upper tier newcastle didn't close any upper tiers when they uh, went down to the championship. I mean, ultimately, you know, teams like Newcastle in comparison are a one-team town with a huge local catchment area. We've yeah, got but, three, but that's... three teams in a very small radius in West Brom and Blues. But why did we have an even bigger stadium than we have now? And why have we got... I imagine a... it's because a lot more people... Even Blues had a bigger ground, Albion had a bigger ground. Everybody could afford to go to the games then. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is, I mean, the one club, one town uh, excuse is always used. But, you know, Liverpool, Everton, two big Manchester City, Manchester United. Arguably, between the two of them, they're bigger than, you know, the main three teams in our, our area. And Manchester statistically population wise are only like they're up there with Coventry in terms of uh, population which is around like the 25th or 26th biggest city in, in England I mean oh, central Manchester greater Manchester though is huge and Lancashire in general so they do actually have a huge wider catchment area but yeah, I get you I get the point in terms of the size of the actual city yeah. itself but uh, but no but the, the fact is Villa have never solved that problem of uh, how do you maintain and build and this 
and this, you know, going to 30,000, I think a lot of people are a bit, you know, even the, sorry, the people who work at the club are quite surprised by that. And as Perslow said on, you know, many fronts, we're ahead of schedule. So it'll be, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how this plays out. Because as I mentioned at the top of the show, people were, you know, jaded by the Premier League, but now it's suddenly, it's like a new thing. So it'll be interesting to see if that, that momentum is maximised and we uh, start to gain a bit more of a following internationally as well. It's basically, we'll see how that plays out. As Perslow says, it's, I mean, you, you don't just suddenly get promoted and then start planning it to add uh, a s- significant amount onto your uh, capacity, unless you're called Wolverhampton Wanderers. Johan Strandquist says, excuse my Swedish, does the contract extension with Steer mean he is our Number one. No, it just means he's staying for me. Was, were you surprised, Max, by that four-year contract since he was extended by a year last, you know, at the end of the season? Not really. I think he deserved it 100%. Um, we've already touched on it since he came back in January. Yeah. He was absolutely superb. Just look at look at the West Brom penalty situation. That was incredible. But yeah, he deserved it. Whether he's going to be the number one, I personally would give him a shot. But all this talk with Butland, Etheridge in the past as well. I, I'd give him a shot. I think he deserves it. I don't know what more he has to do, but uh, whether the whether Dean Smith and the backroom staff will see it like that, I'm not too sure, but I'd give him a crack. He deserves yeah, it. Yeah, I, I can't understand giving him a four-year contract unless he's at least one of your top two. Yeah, I get why you'd yeah. give him a one or a two. Yeah, I think yeah. what it probably does say, does, it probably says less about steer, but it says a hell of a lot more about someone like Kalinic who you think, right... You've clearly been put in your place, mate. Like you're probably going to be out the door in the summer. Yeah. What do you think it means, Max? When what do you take from this four-year contract? On paper, it would suggest that he's going to be the number one. But yeah, like Kalinic will be off. Nyland, God knows what's happened to him these days. I mean, he'll get he'll get to fight it out in pre-season, when he? But I can't see him being a priority. I think he'll probably find himself third in the pecking order ultimately this season. Ka- yeah, Kalinic won't want to be a, a number two or three at this point of his career. Nyland as well won't want to be a number three four keeper so for steer it means he's got his chance hopefully but for the other two i think that's it for them sorry right simon cutler says will villa be happy finishing fourth from bottom i know i would but expectations are going to be high i think we've already answered this question they won't be happy but they'll be content that's the lowest yeah the worst that can happen is we get relegated basically and anything above that I mean, I, I want more, obviously. I want to be up there mixing it, taking at least a couple of wins off the top six and announcing our arrival back in the league. If we survive, then, as I said, you reboot and consider it a transitional season and then you can really kick on the next year. Matt Palmer says, some genuine transfer speculation would be nice if you have any inside information. Because we are short of transfer speculation at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, and I've just ignored uh, reading anything, and my life's fine. I just I haven't wasted any I've time. I've been thoroughly enjoying this laid-back June without loads of Villa stuff. It's been brilliant. Well, there has been loads, but it's just been bullshit. From uh, do you keep on top of it? Um, I'm always on Twitter. You're always going to have the. <laughs> it's just so annoying now because there's accounts popping up from all over. The... I'm sure we'll come on to. It. I think there's a question about all this in the, in yeah. the no ITK yeah. sort of crap. But it's just annoying. Like all these accounts are coming out of nowhere. And there was one the other day that got caught out. I think. And he messaged me saying, oh, why did you unfollow me? And I was just like, well, I don't want all this crap on, on my timeline. Like, I don't care. I, just, I want to see yeah. when you announce it. Like, I don't care when you think you've seen him at the hotel or whatever. I don't care. So it, it is annoying. 
Yeah, the bottom line is I'm, I'm totally with you. In terms of being zen about it, it doesn't fucking matter when he comes. You know, when the game kicks off, the first game of the season, that's who you've got. Even if I uh, fucked off to Antarctica and then came back to watch the Spurs game, you know, I'm no worse off not knowing the team until I read that team sheet, really. It's not yeah, going to exactly. change my life, is it? But we'll talk about ITK and all that shizen uh, in a second as a question. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. For it. Patrick Singleton asks, a lot of people have been saying that we should sign a Cahill-type player for experience as we let go of most of our experienced players last year. What are your opinions on this? I don't think we should, as I believe players like Grealish and Mings, if he hopefully signs, will be able to step up and fill this gap. We shouldn't waste high wages on players that will only be of use for one or two seasons with no sell-on value. I think Patrick is uh, singing off the hymn sheet of uh, Perslow there. I don't I don't think we'll just be getting in your Whelans or your Yedinax now. Uh, I think if, if there was a top act player and it was the price was right and it was good for that transition season or two, then, you know, maybe. It's just not the Perslow-Smith way, is it really? No. I, I've touched on Cahill before. I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't really want it to happen. That was sort of the Bruce way, wasn't it? To get these old heads in to sort of support the dressing room. But I don't think we need it. I don't think we need it. We saw it last season towards the end. It doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. I don't see how it would benefit too much. So I don't want any sort of Cahill players. As Dave said, it's, you know, if you can bring in a real star name and get a, a, you know, you know, you're going to be guaranteed a good year out of them, like be it a striker who can, you know, get you 20 goals a season, who's, who's a guaranteed performer. That's a different matter. But you look at someone like Cahill, who's barely played for a year, and you look at, say, the back four that we'd all like with someone like Mings or a Twanzabi or people like that, you think, well, I wouldn't actually play him over him. I probably wouldn't even play Cahill over Chester. Yeah. So it's like, would he actually get in our team on merit? No. What's the point in going out and getting somebody just to sit on the bench? And also, I don't. I want somebody who believes that has no fear. Like, And, you know, that's the, the players that he's just mentioned, the, the younger players, because that will give us a chance of breaking through what people expect us to do. 
if you've got players that have already played for you know three or four Premier League teams and they're pretty much uh, their agents just managed to get them a good wage and that's why why they're here then you know they've already given up on uh, actually doing anything extraordinary in that league it's just about taking part and that's about it so I'd like people who believe that they can really uh, you know cause an upset and do things I think Smith's a little you know far more savvy than that as well yeah. Jamie Mitchell asks, how does Andre Green fit in this season? Occasional starter, impact bench player, or is he ready to be thrown in the deep end at Premier League level? He's an interesting one, isn't he, I think, Andre Green? Sorry, that question all the way from Brisbane, Australia. Oh, good day. Eh? Yeah, as I said, he's a really interesting one, Andre Green, because I, you know, where does he fit in? I, I really don't know. You know, he's, he's going to be on the bench. I don't see him being a starter, but does he need to go and play games at this point in his career? Probably. So... If he's happy to compete for a place on the bench, fair enough, but I really don't know. Views on the green? In an ideal world, you'd send him out on loan maybe to the championship. He'd play 40-plus games. But as it stands at the moment, we have, what, two, three wingers? So he has to be in the squad. We have to keep him. But him sitting on the bench, coming on occasionally, isn't really going to benefit him. But for the team, yeah, I could see him coming on. He can make an impact. I don't think him starting is really an option. I don't think he's quite good enough just yet. But he does need to play football and I think ideally send him out on loan, but I don't see that happening. I think he's got a lot of developing to do as well. Speaking of being good enough, Gary Horgan asks, is Codger good enough for a place on the bench as an impact sub? Actually, I thought it was going to be, is he good enough for the Premier League? Never mind, is he good enough for a place on the bench? Same question about Green. He also uh, says, which we've already answered, I'd say no to both. And with Codger only having one season left on his contract cash in now that's an interesting one one season left on codger's contract do you cash in or because we've got so much squad to build is he considered one of our let's say four strikers uh, if we get another one in to go with keenan davis wesley i think so yeah i'd keep him i'd give him a year i think he's you know in his first year at villa he kind of earned the right to you know, he looked like he could be a Premier League player. Is he going to be? I don't necessarily think so. But, but he, you know, he, he talks about cashing in now with one year left on his contract. You know, we spent, what, 12 million on him. So either way, we're going to make a loss on him. You're never going to earn that money back. But I'm already queuing up in the bank. I'm trying to cash in on my codger. You're going to be losing money. Because <laughs> what, what are you going to get for him now? Two, three million maybe? Yeah, that'll do. That'll do. I'm happy with that. Max, what would you do? If you could? If you got a decent offer of three or four mil, would you uh, take it? Uh, probably not. I was just about to say, whatever happens, we're going to make a loss on him. So I don't really think it matters. But again, we only have, what, one striker? Yeah. I think Codge is a good finisher. I think if you give him chances in the Premier League, I actually think he'll score goals. His overall player outside of the box is fucking atrocious, but actually... <laughs> As, as a fox in the box, <laughs> he's potentially a good finisher. Dan Clinton asks, some good topics mentioned already. How many signings is too many? What do you fellas think is the balance between necessary rebuild with the desire to have a complete and competitive squad before the season starts and avoiding doing a Fulham or past mistakes? Is it time for Cahill to make a glorious return to Villa Park? More importantly, no. should he ever been sold? Bit late for that one now. What the hell was going through O'Neill's mind uh, with his Zat Knight decision? Well, that's old ground. Uh, don't don't get me started on that one. We let go of well, we didn't let go of him. The end of, end of contract eight, and then we got 
we shipped out two. Russ McCormack, Gary Gardner disappeared. Am I missing something? Not yet. I, there might be more, though. You know, obviously someone like Tish yeah. Bowler, I'd imagine, will go. So that's 10 down already. Uh, oh, sorry. And the loans. So how many loans have we got back? We've got Al Ghazi. We've got House. So two Enzebi, Abraham, Mings. Three of those very key players in our setup uh, and why we got promoted. So we need signings, boys. And uh, too many signings. So I think uh, we'll probably be going for at least 10, surely. I would think it'll be a minimum of eight of which of which five of those need to be quality players yeah and you're also looking at the likes of your Lansbury's to step up to be above and beyond what they were before but if they couldn't really yeah. cut it in the championship is that too much to ask for Horahan would need to evolve as well and I think he potentially has that in him uh, in the Premier League probably find it easier than the championship in a, in a funny way but yeah uh, Max uh, it's a bit of a question you can't really answer is it because we do need to buy a lot of players and doing we a do. Fulham as you've already said about that is a you know well we won't buy any players so we won't do a Fulham well we'll get relegated so we what does doing a Fulham mean don't know ask Fulham (laughs) but is that going (laughs) and buying a load of crap that didn't actually improve pretty much yeah they had a good way of playing I mean they they swept through the championship and you know that infamous six game stretch where they played the top six and beat five and drew with one and I think that was Bristol City the draw so they, uh, you know, they, they slapped Villa, Wolves, Cardiff, and they didn't really stick by their uh, guns really when they got to the Premier League because I think they had enough in the tank as the, as as they were to, uh, you know, at least stay up. And the the warning that can be fired Villa's way is that actually some of their big players in the Championship didn't step up. You know, sort of Sessignon, Kearney, Mitrovic, yeah. they kind of all went missing for a season. Next question, just quickly, Dale Allen, what changes are being made to the youth setup? Why was Mark Harrison needed, and why is he the one? we wanted in a nutshell Villa were after him quite early I mean I can't say anything in terms of exactly when even though you know I was told it's just uh, you know Perslow told us off the record but we did have people like from Chelsea and other top teams in basically the shortlist and they were interviewed and Harrison's seen as one of the best talents uh, at that level and he's had West Brom punching above their weight for for many a many a season I think our youth setup was in danger of dropping from category is it category one or is it category a i remember <clears throat> category a i think yeah they haven't, yeah, they haven't been firing a. for a while so and they got rid of a hell of a lot of players didn't they? the first thing uh wes edens and uh, suarez did and when i met them that was like in the first week of announcement uh, they they told uh, the fan consultation group there and then, and, and they'd literally just landed, that they'd pumped uh, a sizable sum in the academy. And I think that was basically to save it from dropping uh, its category. Uh, I think the under-21 team actually is now entered in the EFL trophy, what used to be the checker trade trophy, because they are still considered a, a category A team. So the money's already benefited us. Long story short, they'll just try to instill the ethos now in the youth setup uh, that Dean Smith has just so uh, he's got a conveyor belt of talent hopefully coming through so we don't have to uh, scout around Europe and you know waste air miles trying to find some people. Anyway, next question, James Wilson, quickly discuss Fabian Delph coming back. Personally, I have no issue with him. Was a great player for us. Can't blame him for leaving when he did and didn't run down his contract would be a great addition to the squad. No. No. I think just injured all the time. I mean, he was injured instantly when he left Villa. But again, you're going to be paid. You're going to have to pay him top wages to leave Man City. And it's like, what's the point? 
It's not a progressive move. Some Villa fans are very sentimental, some of them, and they always look backwards instead of looking forward. It's the same with Benteke, isn't it? People yeah. saying they want him back, but no, just just move on. Let the past yeah. be the past. Yeah, or else we'll have a team of Fabian Delft, Cahill, Benteke. God. Who else can they dig up? Don't answer that. Andy Castle says, do we need more formation options in the Premier League? We've found a successful formula, but clearly the quality we'll be up against might need us to be more adaptable. Well, I think Wesley looks like he offers us uh, various routes. I mean, you could go a bit more direct with him because he's quite aggressive in the air from you know from the footage I've been watching uh, I, ju- I think we need to uh, hopefully Gilbert right back and then whoever we have at left back give us an extra dimension down the flanks because when teams come to Villa Park and if they set up to get a point because they're so scared of our return we'll need something else to try to you know break basically move their back four or back eight or how many they're going to stick back around and create openings so uh, I mean Grealish is a good player to have for that purpose and I think he will uh, do as well in the Premier League I think Smith's already shown that he well has he a little bit I don't know if it's necessarily about formation options but you definitely are going to need a plan B and a plan C and because the the reality is that where Villa were last season suited the way Dean Smith wanted to play most teams would let us have the ball and we could knock it around you're not going to be able to do that in the Premier League you know you're going to be playing against teams like City and Chelsea Arsenal they're going to monopolize possession and that's going to be that's why Fulham struggled last year because they just weren't used to not having the ball. And that's why we need to sort out that defence ASAP. And that defensive midfielder. There's, there's a, that little area of the field is going to be so important. Speaking of which, the former, not the latter, David Grimmett asks, what the hell's happening with Mings? He's in the Caribbean, isn't he? In a nutshell, Mings is a Bournemouth player. At the moment, the fever pitch demand for Mings is high. If Mings has said to Bournemouth, look, I want to move, Bournemouth are saying, right, well, let's get some money for him. You know, he's our player. So they're not exactly going to drop their pants uh, when uh, Villa drop in their uh, their bid. So people are saying, well, why are we going after other defenders now? We should be getting Mings in first. We should be getting Mings in first. Well, what do you do when you're in a when you're trying to barter for something? You're in the Medina in Morocco and you want that leather briefcase or whatever you're after. You walk in there, you offer them, I don't know, 20 euros or whatever it is. They say 80 you say 30, they say 70, you say final offer 35, they say, come on, 65, 65, come on, 65. You say, yeah, not today, and you walk away. And then they call you back, and then they offer you a lower amount. So this is probably yeah. what's happening at the moment. They're getting it out in the papers. that They're now looking at X, Y, and Z just to basically cool down the uh, Bournemouth or the agent involved, should I say, who are obviously the agent's trying to get his payday out of Mings, and uh, obviously Bournemouth won a few. Yeah, it, look, it looks like a, bit a deal of wedge. that all parties want to do. It's just a case of Bournemouth you know, trying to play hardball and Villa. I don't think Villa are going to want to budge too much because ultimately his injury record isn't great. Yeah, so I don't think Villa will go over the odds for him. No. Now, Perslow's far too sort of clued up for that. Yeah. So in terms of Mings, fans just need to take a chill pill and be patient on that one. It's like Courtney Hawes. Courtney Hawes, we have an option to buy Courtney Hawes for like a low figure, but why wasn't that done the next day after we lifted the playoff trophy? Because, you know, personal terms, he's going to negotiate it. It's going to, there's going to be a bit of back and forth with his agent. And with Mings, it's a, a lot tougher because we've only got a clause to match. Basically, if somebody else, you know, Brighton come in with 10 million, we can put in 10 million. And basically, we get the player if he wants to come to us. 
for the same price that Brighton would. We don't have to outbid them technically. So are you patient with Mings or uh, Max? Are you just, you wake up every morning praying to the God of Mings? Well, I want him in the club as much as the next man. But as you said, you got to be patient. It will get done at some point. We just need to stay calm. It's a game of poker, isn't it? It's a game of poker. Yeah, everyone's just looking into everything he does so much. Like, oh, where is he on holiday? What's his agent doing? Like, just just calm down, you know. We've got months and, well, not months, weeks and weeks till uh, pre-season and Tottenham and all that kind of crap so let's just wait be patient Jimmy Farry asks a bit of discussion on lazy journalism and the rise of ITKs on social media it's unbearable this transfer window already well you just you just ignore it uh don't follow anybody just sprouting shit I mean there are one or two journalists aren't there who are reasonably reliable to a point but then there's so many that aren't that it kind of just washes over you I mean the Birmingham Mail have a have an equation to fill and they've got to basically get ad clicks so they've got to throw coal on the fire so that every day they've got to put out X amount and they know you're going to click it because you're desperate for transfer news and what what has there been they've- I think actually we've moved quite quickly so far Compared to everybody else, I don't think you're going to get much movement until all the players are back at pre-season or they're off on back off holidays. You know, you're going to get once the first domino sort of falls of those big moves, then you'll start to see a lot more action. But yeah. none of the big none of the big teams are moving, are they? No, you sometimes need a few of the big buys to actually spark the uh, the market, so there's actually cash in there to be, suddenly be spent. Uh, but these ITKs have been around for ages, and you know, I don't know what fuels it. Is it you know narcissism? You just want followers. Yeah, just want attention, I think. Just put it this way, you're going to be on your deathbed. Everybody gets to the point where they're on the deathbed and they look back on their life and they think, and they think, have I spent it well? And then they'll think, oh, fuck, I did waste those couple of years just... Being in the know. Being an ITK, running a Twitter account, wasting every, you know, several hours every day for, for no reason pointless spreading bullshit and that's the thing you know when people are just retweeting things or you know aggregating them it's you know take some editorialization which means casting some judgment on what's actually likely what's possible or what's just pure bullshit don't even bother spreading the pure bullshit you know to other fans it's it's part of the game it's fun so uh you know to them uh you know all the best buzz frockle good name he's a great name isn't it how do how do villa expand their profile now they are a Premier League club. Being in the league is good, but we have a history and a star on the shirt, which we can build on. However, living in Nottingham and seeing Forrest only dine out on Clough and back-to-back European Cups, should we be that club that always looks back? Should we just rely on poster boy Grealish to drive promotion abroad? To be disappointed when he leaves, gets injured, develops Maradona-like tendencies, insert your own ending. <laughs> They've got to win games. They've just got to keep the They've momentum be exciting. and build and be entertaining and get bigger and better players and build a global fan base there's there's loads of aspects to it yeah as i mean as perslow says i think one of the underlining things uh, i mean as well as trying to be excellent in all departments is to be entertaining and in terms of attacking football why why would you want to escape your working week or, or your husband or your wife or whatever and uh, go to see a load of dross and have your team just set up not to lose i mean and that's what we had for a long time. We were crap to watch. And there's no point in that. And I don't even, this fear of like, we've got to stay in the Premier League. That's when it gets dangerous. If Villa, I mean, talk is cheap. And to his credit, Perslow isn't, uh, doesn't frequently uh, talk unless it's unless he's saying something distinct. But there will become a point where the novelty may wear off and our uh, momentum and our belief and our, you know, we've got like the exuberance of youth of being back in the Premier League again. If we don't actually get any uh, 
traction, then we'll start to just think of this as a business where we must stay in the Premier League and we we may become playing with fear. And that's what I don't want to, if we can, you know, just go, go for it in these next few seasons. I mean, as long as you're not reckless, you should stay in the league. Well, it's a test of how sort of ambitious your owners are. You look at someone like Everton, they haven't really been going down, but they've, they, they, they hit a glass ceiling a long time ago. Yeah, no, exactly. Max, can you, do you think we'll be, uh, as Dr. Tony once said, in the top three in the world? <laughs> In your lifetime, never, never forget that. That was quite incredible. I just think, end of the day, it's an entertainment sort of thing. If as long as we just keep progressing, there's not much more we can do. Just progress year on year, and hopefully, eventually, we'll get back to the glory days. But yeah, just just keep keep it going. Just enjoy the process. But in yeah. terms, of, I mean, in terms of the last season, I mean, uh, it it was fun. Exactly, yeah. it was brilliant to watch at times. We've seen all kinds of crazy shenanigans play out. So that's what you want. That's what you kind of want. I mean, we were probably one of, if not the most entertaining side to watch. And anybody who had a season in the world. At Villa Park last year. They got bloody good value for money at Villa Park because you were guaranteed goals at both ends, especially the first half of the season. It was chaos. After a long drought. Yeah, absolutely. Tahil Allen asks, and this this is one for Max. I don't know why I've said that, but I'm just setting him up. Will our pre-season be as creepy as blues? What does that mean? What do you mean creepy as blues? I have no blues? idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have good rich owners. We don't have a ground share. We got rid of all our creepy elements, I think. Did you see their protest? Haven't Blues got Craig Gardner as their player coach now? I mean, that is oh, desperate. Christ. That right, is what, desperate. What protest? Have you not seen all the posters and stuff going it's about around? Get, get, is it Dong? Get Dong out or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like, bring uh, sausages yeah. and the, like, what? what's that all about? And there, there was pictures outside the trillion billion arena, whatever it is these days, yeah. of like seven people stood outside with like a flag. And it's like, well, huh. what's the, what? <laughs> it's, it's quite embarrassing. Got to admit they don't you kind of feel sorry for them for a second as as football fans before you get into you know who the team is because they never seem to catch a break and they're in perpetual uh turmoil and whatever our situation is you you just have to look over your shoulder and they're always uh, managing to outdo us somehow i mean in in regard to the gary monk situation i kind of feel for them a bit because it's just we've been there and with various dodgy owners and all sorts of stuff. And you just think this is just becoming a, a complete farce down there at the moment. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, you, you kind of want the Blues in the Premier League to a certain extent. I mean, is that a bold, is that too much of a bold statement? Because I kind of like, quite like being in a different division. But uh, I think if you can have a rivalry, you want it to be one that's built on a, something resembling some footballing pedigree rather than just yeah like a wibbling rivalry it's like, and you can, yeah and even if you have hatred there you do kind of want an underlining of respect which uh we haven't had that for a long long time no so to answer the question no it's not as creepy as the blues are pre-season so far it's kind of steady eddie and uh it will start to pick up i would imagine in a, in a week or two uh, ali hamad says now that Steer has signed a four-year contract and we also have Kalinic and Nyland, is there need for another goalkeeper? The last show, Steer was rated as a 7 out of 10 keeper. I'm not sure we would. We should be spending more cash on a fourth keeper. Uh, well, we've kind of answered that already. Uh, I agree. I don't think you get another keeper in unless you're getting bit rid of both Nyland and Kalinic because they're not giving Steer a four-year contract for nothing. If They gave him an extension for a year, which suggested that they would have him as backup. But now something's obviously happened uh, that suggests that he will be uh, one of our top two keepers. So either it's a battle, he's going to battle one of the other two keepers that we've got now, because one of them has to leave for that top spot, or there will be a fourth goalkeeper and we'll bin both. Right, I think that's it in terms of...
terms of the MadFew questions. Check out the link on the notes for the MadFew uh, Facebook group where we uh, stay clear of uh, ITK. If you are already in the MadFew uh, Facebook group, don't bother posting any more stuff about blues or whatever. Let's keep it uh, on a on a highbrow level. Also, if you're a YouTube watcher and you want to gear up for the Premier League season and you you just can't get an away season ticket, don't get me onto that subject, follow Villa on Tour on YouTube and it'll be like being there every game. What do they have to do to follow Villa on Tour? Just head over to YouTube, search Villa on Tour and there you'll see my beautiful face. Press subscribe, easy as that. And he's off to Leipzig. I looked at it, I had too much expense, but Max luckily is so rich that he didn't give a fuck about that. <laughs> no, it wasn't actually too bad. It was less than 400 quid each. It's not, it's not too bad actually. Yeah, no, that's uh, if, it's, that's your whole trip though, isn't it? And that's another city as well. Yeah, yeah, but I'll be doing videos there, so that'll be a good good watch. Uh, please do, uh, as I said, follow uh, Villa on Tour, join the, the Mad Few Facebook group. Also become a patron if you want to support the show further. Uh, go to myomansaid.com and click on the patron link on the menu bar for options. Also follow the show on Spotify, Apple, or whatever podcast app that you use. And as I said before, if you want the real My Old Man Said podcast experience, uh, check out episode 78, which was the one just before that. This is uh, a new monthly section where we get quizzed by the mad few about what's happening at Villa. Until next time, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. My old man said. Next question from Thomas Knight. Do you think we are in the market for a new left back or will Taylor be first choice in the Prem? We've discussed this previously. I think neither. I don't think we're in the market for a left back. <laughs> and I actually don't think Taylor will be first choice. I think Horsel will come in and be first choice. Taylor will be second choice. But ultimately, yeah, Taylor played well in the last sort of run at the second half of the season to suggest that he's going to get a chance. You know, whether or not he keeps his place in the team is open for debate. I don't think he ultimately will, but... He's deserving of the opportunity. I don't know about this sentiment. I think you don't, don't say, oh, well, you, you, you got us promoted. You deserve it. I'm, I'm kind of like, we need to be uh, hitting the ground running and going for Europe straight away. <laughs> if you're not good enough. If you can, wait, if you can get a better player, I think he's a good starting point. But Courtney House, I mean, that's the preseason battle, I think. But will either or play the way that ultimately Dean Smith wants to play top level with fullbacks getting forward, but also being competent in defence? I um, mean, you know, fullbacks that can... Beat the last man. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if, if it's necessarily immediate priority in terms of what they really need straight off the bat, but it'll be something they'll they'll keep an eye on. Let's talk about Matt Target, isn't there? From is it South? He was. It was the same last year, wasn't it? We were yeah. Fulham in the team that went up. So whether or not he's actually going. I don't know if he's actually going to improve us though. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, would you it, Would you go after a left back? It wouldn't. It wouldn't be my first choice position that I'd look at and say we really need to improve there. But again, I don't really see Taylor as a, a Premier League left back. Yes, he can be a, a squad player, as we've already touched on. You do need a squad, but. I don't see it with Hawes either. I don't see him as this typical Dean Smith bombing up and down the wing, whipping yeah, in balls. Yeah. I don't quite see that. So it is a tough one. I'm not too sure. I probably would be looking at a left back, but I'm not sure. I mean, now the players that we've got now, what's our back for? Oh, Christ. We've got no centre-backs, have we? I think it'd have to be Horse and Chester at the back. Get Gilbert on the right. Yeah. Probably We're getting relegated, boys. We're getting hey, relegated. 17 points. That's a worse back four than Lescott and Hutton, isn't it? <laughs> 
Okay. And that's saying something. So yeah, I, I think the, in terms of building the team, they have to build a defence for sure that's Premier League viable. I'm sure they're open to upgrades throughout the team. Yeah, but if you've got 50 players, then that would suggest you've got... Two, two new left-backs. <laughs> you've got at least three options uh, at, yeah. at pretty much every position. Two or three, should I say. So we shall see. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.